And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Brace Rider for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty out in Seattle. I'm down here in Florida. What's up, Eric? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? How's spring training? It's awesome, man. I got down here. It was 87 degrees the day I got down here and humid. It's like the late spring weather. So, and it was a little cold and wet when I left Atlanta. So, but nothing like it was up in the Northeast, obviously, or Texas. <laughs> but yeah, it's been uh, nice weather for them. They got really lucky with that. Nothing rained out yet, really, or anything. So, I miss that the most, man, with spring training. You know, living up here in Seattle, I used to get to duck out on the bad weather like early February, late January. Now I'm in it. You yeah. know, now you stay in it the whole time. I never realized how nice that was to just get to fly down there and get in 70-degree weather in, you know, early February. Yeah. I mean, and, and it got dry today because uh, front went through, so it's cool and crisp today, relatively cool. It's like, you know, 68 degrees. It feels great, 70 yeah. degrees. But, yeah, I can see why so many players end up because they come down here, if they're from the Northeast or the Northwest or wherever, where it's miserable in the winter, they come down here to spring training every year, and it's yep. gorgeous. I can see why they live here, because no state income tax and the weather. Yeah, <laughs> so. and same with Arizona. Like, whatever yeah. whatever team you're with, you find out, you know, a lot of guys wind up just buying a house there. They can live there for yep. spring training and then live there all off offseason. Um, I mean, so many guys live in, in Phoenix now. Yep. Yep. That, that valley, in the Valley, you could put together a good – uh, major oh, yeah. alumni squad or, or 10. We'll That'd be a fun game, Florida there. versus Arizona residents. And it's like uh, whatever team the guy was with for most of his career, it seems like they live in the place where they went to spring training. There's a yep. bunch of guys who live down here in Florida, obviously. Yep. And then, like you said, even more live in Arizona. Well, Arizona is way better because you can – I mean, everything's yeah. within 20, 30 minutes. If you buy a house in, you know, where the Mets spring training is, you might have a six-hour drive or four-hour yep. drive to spring training. Well – my early impressions. Let's go over those. My early impressions from the first uh, four or five games down here. They're playing the, uh, the fifth one today after we record this. But uh, through four games, my early impressions of what I've seen and just talking to players and to Snicker uh, three times a day. Uh, I, I can First of all, I now see why, along with their reduced budget, the Braves didn't emphasize bringing back the three free agent relievers they lost. Um. I know they did want to bring back Melanson and Darren O'Day, and also they wanted to bring back outfielder Adam Duvall for the bench or left field if the DH was back, which it's not going to be. But we found that out by, last night, by the way. I don't know if you saw that, but officially expanded playoffs and the DH are out for this year. Yeah. So are, are 99% certain. But I getting back to this, I understand why they didn't make it a top priority because – with the budget being what it was, they like the bunch of young arms that they've put together. Not just young arms, but some uh, former relievers, too, who've had some success in the big leagues. 
but they really have some good young arms that people haven't really heard about because they're not ranked in the top 10 or 20 prospects. But these are guys that legitimately could help out at some point this year. And then some veteran guys like Carl Edwards Jr., Nate Jones, who've actually looked good so far in camp uh, with good stuff. Carl Edwards Jr. has got really good stuff. He has good stuff. And, you know, they only need a couple of guys to fill out that bullpen. And one of them is Jacob Webb, who you've really liked since he came up as a rookie in 2019. And last year, you know, he, he had his rookie season slowed or stopped by a uh, impingement in his elbow. That also slowed him at the start of last year. But when he came back last year, he was the same guy. And this spring, he looks really good. It's healthy. I love his confidence. You know, I mean, I see guys – I'm watching on TV now, but you could still, you know, in between pitches, they zoom in on their faces – and he always looks comfortable, you know, even even when the situation looks like it's starting to get out of hand, runners first and second, you know, one out or some tie game. You look into his eyes when they zoom in on his face and he doesn't look like a deer in the headlights type of look. You know, he looks like calm, controlled uh, and, and just focused. Um, I think that's for me, that's one of the biggest indicators. And that's why they do mound visits and all that stuff during the game is more to get a read on where the guy's head's at if they need to get a reliever going or whatnot. But he always looks comfortable even when shit's hitting the fan. So for me, I've had a lot of confidence in him. And I think it, I think that's it's like what you're saying. You know, it's they need to find out what they have in some of these young guys, and they can always add a reliever at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um I think he'll be in the open in the opening day uh, bullpen. And I mm-hmm. think Kyle Muller, he's had some he's shown some progress this spring. And like Snit said, it's only a matter of throwing strikes with this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. the stuff is off the charts. It's explosive. And he's six seven. You know, he's he's obviously groomed as a starter, but you know, with his with his repertoire and you know, his troubles, you know, kind of keeping it together for a long time, Bullpen might be where he ends up. I mean, this guy it looks like he could really be a force in a pen. And I think uh if he pitches like he did in his spring debut, I would expect to see him at some point this year too. And that could be a pretty big ad at some point uh, if he keeps making strides. Um, well, you got to get dude. in line if you want to start. You know, there, there's a lot yeah, of guys exactly. ahead of him, and exactly if he's got big don't, league stuff and he's ready, you know, I don't, I don't think he's a guy that you're too worried about starting his clock. You know, he's not right. one of those guys you're thinking is going to be like a Soroka where you might want, right. you, you know, you might want that extra year, but. They got a window, you know, right now to try to get to the World Series and win one. If if they find a role where he can come up and throw, what does he throw? 96, 97 left handed. You he's know, he's at hundred. He's at hundred left handed. You know, I oh mean, yeah, he he says ninety six, ninety nine. It's <sighs> yeah. just it's just insane, man. I mean, I've been watching all these clips that Pitching Ninja's putting up, and like Hunter Green's already throwing one hundred and three. These guys come into camp in such different shape, throwing shape. They don't yep. use it to get ready anymore. Everybody's game speed from day one. And I don't know if that's, you know, the best thing because you, you might be wasting some bullets or get tired down the road, but it's just insane seeing what guys are coming into camp doing now. Tucker Davidson, another guy uh, who's made progress. He's looked good so far. Uh, there's there's several of them. Uh, you know, some of the young arms that Snit has mentioned are worth – are worth taking note of because you always know when Snit talks about a guy that that he's more than in the back of his mind. He's a guy they're actively looking at, and they have a couple of guys. You know, last year did some weird stuff to the to the timetable. Mm-hmm. There was no minor league season, so we we got you look at a guy that was in A ball last year, and normally or two years ago, and normally you would see 
a guy who hasn't been an A ball or hasn't pitched above A ball, you'd think, okay, he's two more years at least mm-hmm. away. He's got to go double A, triple A. That's not really the case now because they're going to speed the timetable up on some of these guys because, you know, they're 22 years old. If they haven't pitched above A ball, they're not going to spend a whole year in double A and a year in triple A or a year in high A. Guy, a couple of guys like Victor Vodnik is a guy that Snitz talked about several times and we saw him pitch and he was impressive. He had a few saves at Rome a couple of years ago in 2019, had more than a strikeout per inning, decent walk rate, and that's really improved pitching at the alternate site. Uh, he's got he's got a real good arm. Snit likes him a lot. A guy they're going to see today in the game against the Pirates, William Woods, is a guy put up real similar stats to Vodnik at Rome two years ago. Uh, 22 years old, 58 strikeouts and 51 innings at Rome, converted all three of his save chances. So these are just some guys that they really are looking at. And, again, I can see why they didn't want to have a full bullpen with nowhere to use any of these guys if they are ready at some point this year. Yeah, and like I said, you know, you can – they can use those first three months to feel it out because they have enough depth. I mean, you got a good pen, regardless right. of if, if your question marks, you know, exceed your expectations or fall a little short, the pen's not going to be a problem. Um, but they got time to kind of sort it out. And if, if more guys struggle than they expect, then you can go get a reliever at the deadline. Um, but I, you know, I think it's weird because a lot of those guys, if you were at the alternate site last year, you're basically playing triple A. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the experience they got could kind of speed them up. Um, mm-hmm. Me personally, I went from I went from a ball to the big leagues in a year, and it's not like you can't learn certain things in in a ball and double A that that will that will get you there faster and get you ready. But there's nothing like even a like Marcakis or, or guys coming down or like triple A mm-hmm. vets like Josh Tomlin just being around them. Um, it speeds up your learning process so much because they've already gone through all the kind of, you know, little crap you have to learn on your way. So yeah, it'll be interesting, man. I, I think that, I think a lot of these guys could contribute this year. Yeah. I think it's, it's really, a, you know, it's an unprecedented situation last year. And I think it hurt some position guys who mm-hmm. would have been playing every day, you know, uh, a guy like Drew Waters, like their catchers who would have been playing. Well, the catchers did play every day. They when they caught major league pitchers that were down there, yeah. you know, too. So I think with some guys like relief pitchers, like you just said, you went from a ball to the big leagues. I think last year might've helped them, some of them more than it would have been going out and pitching a bunch of innings in a ball. They were facing guys that were down on rehab or guys that were, that have played in the big leagues that were fringe guys that the Braves might've needed or top prospects. Yeah. All the Braves top prospects were down there. So they faced better hitters than they would have faced at Rome. Yeah, and you can have you know you can have flaws and you, you could be an A ball, and if you throw ninety six and you have a big curveball, you can you can get by with it. But if your curveball when you go to throw, if it doesn't come out on the same plane as your fastball, if it pops up, mm-hmm. those hitters at the lower levels are still going to be overwhelmed by it. Where you're not going to get that feedback that this pitch isn't good enough. But you go try to throw that in AAA, and you got guys yeah. that are seasoned and they've seen it over and over. They'll pick up on that curveball and shut it down the second it leaves your hand. So those are just the little things that I think, you know, obviously you couldn't get as many guys at that alternate site, but mm-hmm. the guys that were there, I'm sure, you know, along with the the stats not mattering. So it's it's almost stress-free learning experience mm-hmm. against guys that are still trying to prove something and get onto that big league team. It's kind of a nice combo, man. You know, I mean, I think yeah. it could help a lot of guys a lot. Yeah, the stats didn't matter. Right. Pitching in front of all the – team officials that were there is what mattered. So if yep. they saw you doing things they liked, mm-hmm. they didn't have to rely on any statistics or anything like that. And 
Freddie Tarnak. Tarnock, that's another young guy that Snickers had his eye on. He, and he pitched a live BP yesterday. It was pretty cool because normally they'd be having live BP on the backfields, but it got rained out in the morning, so they had it on the main field before the game. So some early arriving fans got to see it. I saw it, and they had like five or six pitchers go. Freddie Freeman took his some live BP. First swing he took, line drive to right off Josh Tomlin. Yeah. But they had a bunch of young guys out there throwing. And a couple of them really stood out. And Phil Pfeiffer, the left-hander, who the Braves put, who DFA'd about a week and a half ago, thought they were going to lose him. He got through waivers. They kept him, outrighted him, and he looked really good in that live BP. He first two guys he faced were Austin Riley and Pablo Sandoval. He struck them both out. Got a good arm. Nice, nice breaking ball. So it's another third round, former third rounder from Vandy that the Dodgers picked took about six years ago, five years ago. But so anyway, there are a lot of options. Is the thing, and and there's also there have a little more in camp than they might have normally because there's no minor league camp yet. So that's yeah. until after this one's done. So they got some of those guys are in big league camp, and and uh, you know there's close to seventy guys here, you know, and they're uh, so they're getting to look at all these young guys, especially early. Uh, the main guys from the pen who've pitched so far have all looked good. Uh, the, the most important, I think, is Will Smith, obviously, because he's going to be the closer, it looks like, at least the primary guy. He came out the first day, uh, his debut in the second game uh, against the Red Sox, and looked really good. He, uh, he pitched third third game because he struck out Sano, the Twins, with a nasty slider. The slider yeah. looks good, and last year, that's what – took so long to get him going because he missed summer camp. He didn't face anybody during the three-month shutdown. Then he had COVID during the summer camp, misses the first two weeks of the season, and it took him a month really to get that slider going or close to it. Yeah. Well, right now it looks sharp, so I usually, think that's it. You know, usually guys don't lose their ability to spin the ball. They lose the velo, mm-hmm. you know, but that- – there's no telling, man. There's no telling what you, you see guys all the time come off the DL and, and they struggle and it takes some time to figure out what, what his routine was like and what he had to be doing. But mm-hmm. that slider has been consistent his whole career. And anytime he's had that, you know, whether he's 91 or 94, it's, it's been a dominant pitch. So, you know, you look at the pen, you got, you got Magic. lefties that, yep, you got three lefties that, Mentor. that can get righties and lefties yeah. out, which is pretty rare. You know, that doesn't happen too much. So, Again, man, I mean, I feel good about the depth. Both of those guys look good, too, by the way, in the first start, uh, the first appearances. Matzik and Mentor. Mentor's the one pick. I'm – I want to see what Mentor does this year because I feel he like that – He looked like he's just picking up on, on last year right where you left oh, off. That confidence he's got to have after that playoff yeah. start, um, I, I think he's going to ride that all year. The only one of the big four who hasn't pitched, and he pitches today against the Pirates uh, of the bullpen, is Chris Martin. He goes against the Pirates today. Um and Jacob Webb, that's five right there. Yeah, who who've looked really good. So Luke Jackson thrown yet? Yeah, he struggled uh, to his first couple of batters and then retired the next three. So I mean, he settled in, looked fine after that. Um, everybody's healthy. Nobody's been held back yet. I'm I'm efforting to find out why uh, Max Freed I thought was going to start tomorrow. Right now, it's listed as TBD for Friday. If I hear during this podcast recording what that is, I'll let you know. But uh, the uh, the others of the opening day rotation is Charlie Morton, and he is going to start Saturday. It's going to be intriguing. He's going to start against his former team, the Rays, against Tyler Glasnow. <laughs> so 
an appealing spring training matchup. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, the guy that somehow got overshadowed last year until it just made it impossible to not talk about him is another guy that's looked terrific in his debut this year. Inoa. I think he might have had the best appearance so far, best start or appearance. Huascar Enoa. Mm-hmm. This guy's going to have an impact this year, man, whether it's, whether it's him stepping into the rotation if somebody gets hurt or – as a long reliever, or he could do anything. He he prefers starting, but he says he's he's comfortable going back and forth because he's done it since Double A. But this is a guy that looks really good. He he looked great against the Red Sox in his debut the other day. He got a start and pitched a couple of innings. And I mean, you look at him and you go, if you didn't know, you would think he's their top pitching prospect. That's I mean, what that's I was going to ask. You know, what's what? What was his prospect status coming up, or his background being brought up? Because I don't know too much about that side of it. He just kind of popped onto the scene last year. Yeah, he's one of those guys. That, you know, he signed with another team. He came over in a trade for uh, trade one year for a couple of veterans. The catcher Luke uh, Recker, remember Recker? Mm-hmm. Anthony, Anthony Recker, and mm-hmm. not Luke Recker. Yeah, Anthony Recker and. Uh, the little pitcher, I'll come up with it in a minute. But he came over in a trade and kind of, you know, kind of slid in b- below a lot of the other top prospects, the homegrown prospects. But this year is the first year he's cracked any any uh, top 100s, and that's only because, like, uh, I think it's baseball prospectus. The other ones don't allow guys who lose their rookie status to be prospects anymore. Gotcha. So he would have been on some other ones. But this is the first they, – they do. So he's on theirs. But – for instance, uh, Keith Law has him as our as the Braves' eleventh uh, prospect, and he's behind like four or five pitchers. So he's only twenty two. I didn't realize that. That's the thing. Yeah, you would think it's an older guy, and he's not. I mean, there's because there's no hype, you know, because there's yeah. no hype with him. You you think he's kind of like a journeyman or something. I mean, that was kind of the view I had painted in my head, and I just looked him up. He's twenty two. Legit, this guy is so confident. He's a horse out there, man. That's the thing, though. The cool thing is, you know, nobody in the clubhouse cares what yeah. what your hype is. You know, what your what your prospect status is, how much you're getting talked about. If he goes out and deals, you know, he's he's going to get those opportunities. And Snit doesn't care that one bit. And Rick Cranick doesn't care. Yeah, they don't care. Front office doesn't care. I nobody mean, cares. Yeah, nobody cares nope. in the clubhouse. You know, if you're getting outs, you're getting outs. He's legit. He's going to be. He's going to be an impact. Mark it down, man. Uh, as far as bench candidates. We'll get back to you know in a, in a second here. I want to give you a couple of things he said. Uh, bench candidates. 
I've been impressed with a couple of these dudes that uh, Ihira Adrianza. I had heard really good things from people that cover the Twins about what he was. He was their main utility guy for a couple of years. Real versatile guy. He's he's looked really good. And Abraham Almonte, thirty one years old. He's played for five teams in his eight year career. He's uh, you know his underwhelming stats in the majors, but a couple of things kind of stood out. He had twenty two extra base hits and one hundred ninety four PAs with uh, Cleveland a few years ago. And last season he split time with the with the Padres and the D backs. And with the D backs, he hit two ninety with a nine sixty eight OPS. In 38 plate appearances, I know, very small sample size, but he had five Still extra something. base hits, five extra base hits, mm-hmm. including a triple and a homer. And, and he he's shown something so far. He had uh, he had a nice game the other day. Both those guys look like they could be uh, strong candidates for bench for bench jobs. It's Man, not it's, just a it's, it's not so a given. Hard. Camargo will be there. <laughs> That's I what I was going to ask. Um, you know, it's not guaranteed contract, but I expect him to be. He's arb though, isn't he? Not yet. Yeah, he was. He, okay. he, he, he skipped ARB, so it's not a. He, they uh, avoided arbitration with him a couple of years. But Get they want the somebody more. that can back up at shortstop, and they're not. Yeah. They're not certain he's the guy, huh? Exactly. He's got to show it this spring because that's important. That you know, some of the other guys they brought in can do that. So, uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Getting kind of the more pertinent stuff here. The guys you're going to see play every day or expect to every at least. Christian Pache. There is no doubt in my mind at all that he is ready yeah. to unseat Ender and to start from day one. And for those people that are afraid, you know, the Braves will manipulate service time. The only guy they've even done that with since uh, since uh, Alex has been here was the big one, Acuna. Mm-hmm. And you could have argued, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a blatant one like it was with Chris Bryant. Acuna had roared through the minor league system. I mean, he didn't spend much time down there, and they had more importantly, they had a legit option for left field until they brought until they brought him up to keep him. And and now everybody's glad they did. I'm sure because he had they had him controlled for another year. Doesn't matter since they signed him long term, but they had him controlled for another year. Preston Tucker was the guy that they had seen in spring training and felt could handle that. And, and he, he raked. And he raked. <laughs> yeah. He raked almost he raked. right up until when raked. he stopped raking. <laughs> like the it service was time. to break Cunha. <laughs> so it worked out great. So That sucks. Yeah, it worked out great for the Braves. They got lucky or whatever, but uh, they, they might have been forced to bring him up earlier if, if Preston Tucker would have fallen on his face. But bigger point is he's the only guy they've done that with. I mean, they, had, they could have done that with uh, Soroka. What they do with Soroka? They brought him up from uh, – I think straight from double A to make that start against the Mets in May that year. They needed a starter. And we were all like, what? Soroka? They brought him up, just thrust him in there. You're go, kid. And he got hurt that year and ended up having all that service time while he was on 60-day DL. Mm, that that's hurts. why he was arbitration eligible this year. Yeah. Been hurt twice. So that was a that was an obvious case where they said, if he can win this game, we want him up here. And they brought him up. Uh, and they've done that with a couple of other guys, too, that they started. Start and going back before uh, Alex got here. That I mean, obviously Jason Hayward. He started from day one. He started opening day with, and that mattered because we we won we won the wild card on the last day of the season. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think they're a team that's done that like other teams have. And Alex, I don't think is really interested in that. I mean, you know, they did it with Acuna for a reason. They knew he was special, uh, and Pache special too, but. Pache gives them a lot better chance to win than Ender does. 
I really believe that. He's better now than Ender defensively. Ender slipped a little bit. Ender's still good. Pache's could win a gold glove uh, right away. And offensively, he's just head and shoulders above where Ender is now. Pache looks – he had a home run robbed the other day against the Red Sox in his first game. Opposite field, right field. Dude goes up right center gap, and they have a short fence. Jumps up, catches it with his glove three feet above the wall. There would have been an opposite field homer in his spring debut. And this kid is he is uh he he looks like a seasoned vet out there at this point. The, the experience he gained in that NLCS. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked he looked totally comfortable, I thought, in the NLCS. That was what opened my eyes. Cause you know, I mean, you, you hear the the reviews and, and what people are saying about him, and, and there's questions about something is bad or whatever, and then you see him hit in the playoffs. And he had good at bats. Even when he got out, you know, he was grinding out at bats, and mm-hmm. maybe he maybe he ground out to shortstop, but it was a hard hit ground ball to shortstop. Uh, he hit a home run. I mean, home pretty much all, double. Yeah, all his at bats. I was like, this dude's. I mean, he's competing. He doesn't look overwhelmed at all. And the you know all the talk about him is his defense. And he had almost zero experience. Yeah, in the big leagues before he thrust in against the Dodgers and their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. And he had a hit and an RBI in each of his first four games. Mm-hmm. For each of his first four starts. Yeah. that. If you're Ender and you're watching that, you're going, because Ender's at home. They didn't even add him to the roster after yeah. Duvall got hurt. But you got to be watching that going, I'm done here. Yeah. Well, I did. I thought it was cool, though, because Pache gave him credit recently. Yeah. Said Ender's just been, like, gone above and beyond to help him out. And yeah. That says a lot about Ender. Um, yeah. I, I know people questioned some of his quotes before about him saying he should be playing and things like mm-hmm. that. And and that's just – for me, that's just the confidence you have to have. And some guys know not to say that stuff out loud and other guys just don't care. Um, but Pache saying he's given him that much time mm-hmm. and lended his time to somebody taking his job. You know, you, you if, you, if you're Ender, you see it. You see Pache coming. You hear all the, the, the noise about him and – to still go out of your way and help somebody take your job, man, that says so much about Ender and his character. That I mean, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, and he hasn't stopped either helping him any way he right. can, telling him anything he can. And Ender says, I do that with all the young players. He goes, I, lo- I love watching Pache play. He's going to mm-hmm. be great. He's going to have a long career. He, uh, and, and he said that, you know, when we asked about it yesterday, I mean, he's still uh, – he knows he sees the writing on the wall, I think, but he says, he says, I'm going to always see myself as a starter. Once you look at, think of yourself as a backup, you know, yeah, you can't do that. But, uh, but he doesn't say anything about, I think I deserve nothing like that. He handled it with total class. I really admired how he handled it yesterday when we asked him some yeah. tough questions about it. Not easy to do. And a lot of guys wouldn't, you know, a lot of guys are just, they'll lie to themselves or mm-hmm. just, you know, that, I mean, it is a business and guys will just focus on, on that side of it and not want to help a guy. But I, I think that's really cool. He did that. Asked him about being left off the postseason roster all three rounds, and he said, "I'm not going to lie. It was one. It was one of the roughest things I've dealt with <laughs> as a as a professional ball player." He goes, "It was sad." Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. I, that happened to me with the Mets, but I mean, I the, I knew there was no shot. Yeah, I had like a 15 ERA there, and Terry <laughs> Collins he called me into the office, and and like I was saying, you know, some guys lie to themselves or or they're not they're not honest about it. Terry called me into the office, and I could see he was kind of trying to figure out how to word it, and I was like. Terry, we're good. And he just kind of like, okay. He said, you know, we appreciate your efforts, but you could just go home. And I was like, yeah, well, good luck. Cause I've Don't wait by the phone. I found my, uh, I found my world series ring yesterday and I was telling my buddy, I was like, this thing just means nothing to me. Cause I contributed nothing. I wasn't there for the playoff yeah. run. It was probably the worst, you know, I've ever pitched, Yeah, but I got this thing, you know, um, 
but yeah, you got to be honest with yourself and just know, you know, when you're struggling that bad. Ender's, Ender knows his numbers. He's seen what he's done. Yeah. He knows he's struggled. Um, but it takes certain guys because other guys will lie to themselves. You know, they'll think they're one at bat away or, or yeah. you know, they're getting screwed over by the team doesn't like them. And they'll, they'll just keep feeding themselves garbage and and become a problem, you know, and a distraction. So, I mean, hat tip to Ender for just, you know, being a man about it. I like uh... – I like William Contreras. I'm not going to lie for the backup job over Alex Jackson. I just think uh, – I know a lot of people are predicting Alex Jackson because of you know the options, because of uh, uh, the defense. I think Alex Jackson might be slightly ahead of him behind the dish, but it's not enough of a difference to me to counter the huge advantage Contreras has hitting. Yeah. This guy can hit, man. He's another with the oppo power at such a young age. I mean – and interviewed him today on the zoom and he had his tight undershirt on dude is jacked man he's <laughs> Everybody's jacked. jacked now he Isn't works out with his brother you know his brother yeah. all-star catcher with the cubs he works. he's six years old he works out with him at home down here in orlando in the off season i mean his brother's taught him everything he knows about big leagues that's what i asked him what is your brother to you he goes everything you know so yeah. he knows what to expect he doesn't look at all overwhelmed in there he goes against the red sox the other day and hit an opposite field shot he had a uh he had three rbis on a basis loaded walk and a two-run single and then he flew out to the opposite to the right field wall at the wall and that was his three plate appearances in his first game of spring and behind the dish i mean he he looks fine you know i mean he might not win a gold glove but he looks fine he doesn't he doesn't miss you know wild pitches tournament pass balls that kind of thing or or uh uh he, he looks like he can handle pitching staff. He made some progress in that department. And, I mean, Drew Smiley pitched to him yesterday, and they looked, they looked really comfortable together. So, I uh, I like him. I, I You know, some people could say, you know, you want Contreras to keep playing every day at AAA. You know, if you think he's going to be the long, maybe he'll replace Darno after this year, or they could resign Darno. But I don't think he's got anything else that he can really – improve upon triple a more so to me being with darno and safasano mm-hmm. especially who yeah. might be the best catching coach in That's the major leagues being with those guys every day yeah. up here because they have skull sessions before every game they talk over hitters they talk over everything they share everything techniques everything they work together the catching units here really tight i think he could get more out of that than playing every day in triple a i really do well it's you know it's I think about it and I think it's, you can learn how to manage a staff. You can learn from mm-hmm. people and do that. It's a lot harder to learn how to hit. You know, right. if you've got that bat tool, you know, you can teach a catcher as long as, you know, the defensive stuff like blocking, throwing guys out is solid. Um, being up in the big leagues, he can learn a lot from, from guys that have been around like Darno. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if it was between the two guys, they're both young, but if it's between the two guys and one of them's Yachty or Molina back there, then I think yeah. you got to start thinking about it and considering it. But if 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 there's no drastic difference defensively, if it's just a small right. step down, why not take the bat? Right. Now, if this was Shea Langoliers, mm-hmm. was Alex Jackson. Who's that? Would, yeah. If he was ready, I'd say him because he is that good defensively. Yeah. I mean, and he'd be, you know, he could win some of the games, he, the two or three games, two games he played a week. He could win some of them or shut down the other team's defense at least or yes. uh, base stealing. He is that much better defensively. But Jackson's not. He's got a right. good arm, but so does Contreras. Yeah. I mean, both of them are pretty good behind the dish. 
Langolaires is he is outstanding behind the dish. But he just needs to keep working on the hit tool. Yeah, and that's the other thing is. Blankaliers might be a triple-A playing every day. So I don't know. I don't know how they're going to break it down. They've got three catchers now that are knocking at the door. You know, Well, they're pushing the season back, too, so you don't even know really what's yep. going to be happening if it might be just an alternate site again. Yeah, it's going to be alternate site to start out, yeah. Yeah. Blankaliers a little behind the others just, you know, because he's he, he came from college ball and has only played one year of pro ball. But he isn't that far away either. And defensively, he's – he hosed a guy the other day. It was like, wow, that arm is special. It's special. Snit, Snit told Sal, he said, uh, he's going to throw out the first guy faces, and it's just the other team's just, that's going to shut it down for the rest of the series. They're just going to stop running against this guy. So just needs to hit enough to get here. And he hit at Baylor. You know, for what that's worth, he hit at Baylor. He had a three homer game in the, in the NCAA uh, tournament. It was, uh, how's he hit? Four. How's he hit so four. far? I guess okay. he didn't really – was he – yeah. He's only played once. I haven't really seen him enough this spring to, to, to tell. You know, he came on as, in his first pro season. He came no. on at the end of the year. He really did start hitting a lot better after struggling initially with the wood bat and all that. He really came on. So, I'll be interested to see him get some more ABs this spring. It's hard to get all these guys AB with when you also got yeah. Darno to get play enough to get him ready. Yeah. But fortunately, he doesn't need a whole lot. Darnold and they're doing these so. seven inning games too, which I mean, I kind of understand, but at the same yeah. time, it's, it's, that's experience for these guys. Yeah. They're going to go to nine inning games on the 13th. So, but yeah, and they're not playing any uh, B games. They're so not. that hurts. That hurts. So that's why they're having to have, they're going to have inter squad games and that kind of thing. So, guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Drew Smiley and Ian Anderson each made their spring debuts this week back-to-back, and each looked really good. Uh, two innings of work. Ian Anderson got out of a bases-loaded one-out jam. It had been three uh, soft singles, nothing major at all, but he got out of that jam. That was impressive. And Drew Smiley 
This dude, you know, he he struck out 14.35 per nine innings last year. I mean, it was huge. It was it was like four more than he'd ever done in his career. So obviously this guy's figured some things out. Yeah. His whole his whole approach. But he uh he gets to his first inning to work, gave up a hit, retires the next three, then the second inning comes out, strikes out the side. All three batters struck him out. I mean, I'm like, okay, now I see where uh what he was doing last year. He's got more than – he throws plenty hard. 93, the velocity's right where it was last year. The breaking stuff, the breaking ball's really good. Yeah. And then it throws a cutter. And that's it, those three pitches. He kind of jumped the change up. And when he did that, used those other pitches, the curveball, a lot more last year. It kind of took off. Yeah, it's just a question of health. I mean, that, that's been his only holdup. But, yep. you know, if, if you've got an elite breaking ball, man, especially left-handed with curveball, cutter, that combo's so tough. Um, hitters, hitters see spin and the ball does two different things. I, I'm a, I, I'm interested to see how he does because I don't think it's – if he stays healthy, you know, I'm not worried about him at all. Yeah. That was one of those signings where people – you know, because he was the first guy to sign, the Braves signed in the offseason and might have mm-hmm. been the first pitcher, free agent pitcher. He signed two weeks into free agent. Like 10 mil, right? 11 million. And yeah. people are going, Drew Smiley? Because they're not used to Drew Smiley. And he kind of did that out of the way last year for a Giants team where they were at they were out of the Already race out at that of it, point. Yeah. And September, you look at his September numbers were terrific. And the four starts when he came back from the he had last rated index finger. wasn't like an arm, it wasn't an elbow shoulder. Last came back index and he was finger. really good. And uh, talk to him about that, you know, because he's thirty one, and I think people look at it and expect him to, you know, what well, he's thirty one. He should have already had a career. But he missed two years in his prime, the two, the 28 and 29 seasons with Tommy John. Took him two yeah. full years. Comes back in his age 30 season, really struggled. And he says he was just trying – took that was his year, like a lot of guys, their second year. He was trying to get it back. Yeah. yeah. And he stunk, got released. <laughs> yeah. Stunk. And, and with the Phillies late that year, he started to really pitch a lot better. And he said, I felt like I was turning the corner then. Giants took gamble on signing him, and he really had a put together a good year. And now look at him; he's making eleven billion, and he's in one of the best rotations in the league. And which will help. That him. helps too. Being being a little deeper in a rotation too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he might legit. He might be the number four starter for this team. Mm-hmm. So you're going up against lesser starters versus having to take on like Kershaw, Verlander. That that helps. Guy making eleven million, starting that that averaged fourteen strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah, well, that's because Soroka and Freed are still pitching for free. Well, actually, no, they're they're starting to get paid now. But yeah, yeah. you can afford to do that when when you got rookies just holding down the staff. Ian Anderson's pitching for free. Mm, for free. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Wright struggled a bit in his debut, but as Snit said, you know, he he almost assumes the guy his first inning or his first outing is going to kind of get he's going to be amped up and he's going to have to just kind of get back to normal. So. And Kyle looked a lot better after, you know, initially giving up some nips. We'll see. You know, it, was, it wasn't uh, – he's healthy. That's the only important thing is I don't think Soroka's going to be ready for opening day because uh, no. I don't think the Braves will push him. I think he could be if they wanted to push him, but they're not going to Why would that. you, though? Why not, push him? Not, yeah. So I think the fifth spot's going to be between Wright and Bryce Wilson. But like I said – Enoa, maybe. Don't discount Enoa, yeah. man. He's been the most impressive one so far. And they don't have to have him for middle guy in the in the pen. They got Tomlin. They got some other guys. They don't have to have him for that role. It might be more valuable put him in the, as the fifth starter. 
have Bryce Wilson or Kyle Wright as your, as your, if you want to have one more long guy. But I don't know that they're going to need a long, another long guy in addition to Tomlin. But the hard part is Noah. Noah's proved that he can handle it. You know, like mm-hmm. you got to look into the mentality of guys, and sometimes that works against you, where they know they can jerk you around a little bit and throw you in that role and right. take you back out of it. it. It's a hard thing to prove. You know, I mean, yep. I, who knows how Kyle would respond to that? You know, yeah, you get, don't know at all. You're right. So in a way, it almost works against you in a sense that they know they can kind of just spot start him, throw him in the pen, throw him wherever they want, where he might not get that role even if he's pitching the best. But I think they'll take the best, whoever's throwing the ball the best. Well, the good thing is this year, there is no doubt all those guys, those six, seven, and eight guys are going to get multiple starts Yeah, because the way they're going to handle the staff after last year, after nobody threw more than 60, 70 innings last year, most guys threw 30, Mm -hmm. smiling through 27. Uh, they're not going to push anybody beyond. So they're going to give extra rest whenever they can. Whenever a guy seems like he needs it or says he needs it, they're going to say, be honest, do you want an extra day? And they're going to plug one of those guys in and do it a lot during the season. So it's not going to surprise me if those six, seven, and eight guys, you know, get 12 starts, 15 starts between them, something like that, easily. Yeah, young guys, you know, young guys always have their ups and downs. You know, they could hit a little lull and – to come up with a phantom injury where they just give them two weeks off or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think everybody will get their turn. And Max always seems to have, you know, something come up, some weird yeah, thing. Blister. It's a blister, turned the ankle last year because he's really athletic. Back. Uh, yeah. A lot he got of high torque delivery. You know, he he's, he's puts a lot of effort into that throw. And I don't think he's maxing out, but it's just a real athletic delivery with a lot of moving parts. So, uh, it, it, yeah, one of those guys could end up making 10, 12 starts himself, you know. So and the good thing is, they're not guys where you have to cross your fingers and go. I hope he's ready for this. They've seen it. They saw Bryce yeah. Wilson out pitch Clayton Kershaw. You know, they saw Kyle Wright pitch great down the stretch, and then in his first couple of uh, big of uh, postseason starts. It's a good so, problem to have. I mean, it's tough. It's tough for guys coming up trying to establish themselves, being on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on the Marlins or the Orioles or something right now, and you're any of those guys, you have a guaranteed yeah. lockdown spot. But this team's trying to win a World Series. You know, I might. Well, there's a couple of camps where he'd break camp as a third oh, or fourth sure. starter. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. He'd get a shot. And right, and right, and Bryce Wilson could easily be in ten other teams' rotations at least. That's a tough break, man. I mean, that's. I don't know. I mean, you got to think about the value of being on a winning team and everything. But mm-hmm. I think it's. I think probably Kyle. Kyle's the guy that it hits the hardest. You know, not not being able to pitch consistently and have that role because um, he's kind of gotten into that here we go again mindset maybe not with him but you know you feel that way watching him like you know it, if he has a bad start how how's he going to bounce back from it uh, and he's, he's not a, 21 either you know no he's a little older than the other other guys um they have uh yeah it's a good problem to have you right it's a uh, i think for them though what might help is that they look at the long term and they know Charlie Morton and and uh Drew Smiley are on uh, one-year one deals. One-year deals, yeah. There's going to be two spots next year. And if they show this year they're ready for it, the Braves don't have to go out and get a, a, another experienced guy. They're not mm-hmm. going to need to go out and get another experienced guy next year if they don't want to. Max Fried's going to be that guy. Soroka's going to be that guy. So this was the year where they had to do that to make sure they didn't end up like they did last year. But if these guys pitch well this year, they're not going to need to do that. They can spend that money elsewhere next year. Yeah, they they had to hedge their bet a little bit, but you know if you're those guys, you something always comes up like we're talking about. You know, Freed has a blister, and and you just you got to be ready to max out on that opportunity. 
Yeah. And, you know, the team's not in a position where you get to come up and have two or three bad starts. If, if they call a guy up and he gets crushed, he's going back to Gwinnett or alt, alt site, whatever it is. Um, so that's a little added pressure for him, but that's the game, man. That's the game. You have to come up and get it done, and nobody feels sorry for you. And that depth is never going to be more important than it is this year, not just because of what we decided, the, the, the lack of innings last year. But this NL East, you can't afford to run somebody out there that you're not comfortable with because every game's going to matter. <laughs> Without the expanded playoffs, you're going to have the three division winners, two wild cards from the NL. This division, it's going to be hard to be second place and be one of the wild card teams because these teams are going to beat each other up. I could see one wild card coming from the Central, and I could definitely see either the Padres or the Dodgers being the other wild card. Well, it's guaranteed coming from the West, right? Guaranteed. It has to be. They're going to beat up the other teams in that division. Both those teams are going to playoffs. Yeah, they're going to be there. I mean, there's some decent other teams out there, but not good. They're going to beat them up. No. Gonna, Both those teams are going to yeah. win 95 to 102 games, I think. <laughs> in one division. So there's one of the wild cards. Yeah. And I think the other will be from the Central. It'll be hard to be the wild card from the East. Unless a couple of these teams just, you know, have injuries and fall apart. Unless unless the Mets mets it up again. <laughs> Which, you know, you can never count that out. But on paper, I don't see a wild card coming from the NL East. Even though they might have three of the best Eight teams in the league. Yeah. Well, you that's know? what, but that's what makes it hard because you all beat yeah. up on each other. That's why you wish they'd have the expanded playoffs if you're the Braves this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th- or, you know, I think that more so if you're the Mets or the Mets, Nationals. Mets or Phillies or Nationals. Yep. You're looking at it like, you know, you got to get past the Braves. I think, you know, they, they've, they went, they, few game, a game away from World Series last year. You know, they're, yeah. they got to be the big dogs in everybody's mind, but. And the Marlins went to the playoffs last year. They were the only other team in the division that went. Yeah. And they got all those yeah. starters back. And Sixto Sanchez is the uh, betting favorite to win NL Rookie of the Year when the odds came out the other day. I like Ian Anderson's chances. I like Pache's chances. Those two were in the top four, I think. Top five. Or top six. Something like that. Anyway, Ian was like fourth. Pache wasn't far behind him. Well, he for me, he was the most impressive rookie pitcher I've seen in probably five or 10 years, the God, way he came good. up and pitched in huge situations at tough teams, Red Sox, Yankees. Yep. And it's, it's the same thing I was talking about with Jacob Webb. He never looked uncomfortable. He never looked overwhelmed. Um, playoffs. He looked good. I, he could easily win the rookie of the year. I mean, Bryce Wilson outpitched Clayton on the big stage in the NLCS, but man, we can't forget that first game. Ian Anderson comes up. Game gets rained out the day before. So he's got to sit around and all that until it gets rained out. It sucks. Come back the next day pitching a doubleheader against Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. And took a no-hitter to the sixth inning. Now pitched Garrett Cole in a win. I mean, yeah, he showed some balls that day. And then each game, next day he's starting at uh, fin- next game starting at Fenway Park, the place he used to go to games as a kid growing up in upstate yep. New York. Pitched great there. Yeah. Playoffs he's got that first. benefit of no fans last year, you know, kind of getting yeah. settled, knowing he can pitch in the league. That's going to help him a lot. The first three playoff starts, he didn't give up a run. Yeah. The only runs he gave up were two against the Dodgers. And yeah. even in that game, he looked good after the way he got through the end. Best offense did. you're going to face. You know, you're not going to face a better offense than that. And he still, I mean, he held his own. 
And it was game seven, and the Dodgers were cranking at that, at that point. They got they got warmed up as that series went along. And they'd already had a look at him, right? Yeah. Had he, he'd already pitched that. Was in the second yeah. start in the series, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um, Talking about talking to Drew Smiley after his start yesterday, he came out and gave up gave up a hit right off the bat, and then he then he got he seemed like he settled down and pitched great. I asked him and he said, "I felt a little little out of sync out there, but I felt like I made a big adjustment first inning to second inning. So that's nice to know that first time out, I'm able to feel where I might be off on my mechanics and make that in game adjustment and go right back out there. I was most excited about that today, but this whole spring I felt great." I feel like I have a really good idea of the type of pitcher that I am. It takes a long time for a lot of guys to figure it out. You know, the game's always evolving, so you have to make keep trying to make adjustments. But I feel like I'm in a really good place of just how to pitch and how to attack hitters. I'm just trying to carry that over from last season. So he sounds like a guy, you know, you, know, you might – like a 25-year-old might sound like, you know. It's just yeah. taking him a while to figure things out, but it feels like he is now and he's a different guy than he was most of his career. Well, there's also, you know, it's a different aspect trying to grade pitchers now on their their past history because all this stuff's evolved so much in the last four or five years. Like Garrett Cole, you would have never thought Garrett Cole was going to turn into the pitcher he turned into. And guys get one simple suggestion from, you know, based off of the spin spin feedback or different, just different analytics now that there's a lot of guys that that things click later because we were taught to pitch so much different coming up. You know, it was all down in the zone. Uh, you had to establish your fastball and teams have just kind of said that, you know, the numbers say you should throw 75% sliders and they'll allow a starter to do that now where that would have, that would have been so frowned upon and never, it, you just, you wouldn't even gotten the shot to do that before because everybody was so dead set in a certain way that you were supposed to pitch. So there's going to be guys like Drew Smiley that learn, I'm supposed to throw my fastball up in the zone and throw my curveball off it. And that's something that, you know, it takes time because you don't, you'd never worked on that in your career before. And it's, it's an adjustment of that's just not how I was taught to pitch. And now all of a sudden this is okay. And you get better at doing it and you see the results, you know, mm-hmm. on that big league level. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys that, seem like late bloomers now that are really just kind of the, the technology is catching up with them. You think some of these pitchers, now that they have the analytics and the, the super slow-mo and the rhapsodo and all that, that they can show, they can go to him and go, look, you don't need to throw that change up. Here's the it spin sucks. rate on your yeah. curveball and your cutter. I mean, this is why you should be throwing these pitches. They're elite. And then mentally a guy goes, yeah, that makes sense and does it. And hey, that worked great. Well, all the time. Need- yeah. But before you had to rely on a catcher to tell you that. Yeah. Because you, you know, you could throw a pitch warming up in the pen and you think it's nasty because it's, it's moving a ton, right? Or, or, or it's doing what you're, you're thinking is good. And then you got to rely on the hitters to kind of give you that feedback. And then you right. try to work on it, work on it. You're thinking, I got to throw this change up. That's my weakness. But if you had a good catcher, like for me, throwing to, to David Ross and McCann, Mm-hmm. That changed the trajectory of my whole career. I mean, I, I could have been out of the game in a year if I didn't come over to the Braves. But they gave me that wow. feedback of, hey, this this pitch is so good. That pitch sucks. Stop throwing that. And now everybody has that, you know, in a, in a different sense. But they have that available to them with the technology telling them that. So if you're, you know, if you're with a team that's rebuilding and you're throwing to some catcher that's trying to figure out how to call games and doesn't really know what good stuff is, mm-hmm. you might not get that feedback 10 years ago. But now you got a whole team of analytics people that that'll break down. Hey, you know, like with Garrett Cole, they said you need to scrap that two seamer. 
Yeah. Your four seamer has this spin rate. You throw at the top of the zone. And like I said, you know, it's not what you're taught. So it's hard to trust it. But you go out and throw it. And all of a sudden he's right. winning Cy Young's and getting 300 mil. I think a lot of guys, you know, they'll have that same, you know, that just they'll make those same changes now and, and see those results. For people that uh, maybe don't realize how many guys he struck out last year, his strikeout rate per nine innings last year was higher than Nick Anderson's. Smiley, we're talking about, right? Yeah, Smiley's was 14.35. Nick Anderson's was 14.33, the best reliever in baseball. Uh, Glasnow was 14.28. Jacob deGrom was 13.76. And the two Cy Young Award winners, Bieber was 14.20, and Trevor Bauer was 12.33. So, so think about how dominant Kimbrell was in his prime. Those guys are striking like out more than he year, was. Right? He was, I think he was mid-13s or 14 all the time. I mean, he was pissed. Mm-hmm. We'd give him crap if he came in and didn't strike out the side. And then he face would turn red, you know, because he was so used to striking everybody out. But having a starter that can do that's wild, man. Yeah, he didn't have the he didn't have the uh, enough innings to qualify for the rankings because of that missed five, six, five and a half weeks, but um, I looked at it, and among pitchers who faced more than 110 batters last year, the only pitcher with a higher K rate per nine innings and Smiley was Freddie Peralta, the Brewers, 14.42. That was it. So That is insane numbers. He also had career best in lowest opponents batting average, 198. OBP, 261. Slugging, 297. And OPS was 558. So when this guy was pitching last year, he was dominating. I'm trying to look back at his numbers right now and part. see because he came up, he came up pretty good. That's just the adjustment I'm talking about, though. Is if you make one little adjustment and all of a sudden he can ride it into a whole new career. Yeah, throwing his curveball more frequently than he ever did. Four September yeah. starts after re- return from the injured list. I'm trying that. Four September starts. He had 31 strikeouts and five walks in 18 innings in those four starts. A couple of them were short because he, you know, wasn't built up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really made some adjustment, though, because he was doing – he was striking out eight, eight, nine, yeah. eight, nine. And then all of a sudden he jumped up to 14.4. And this is two years after – in 2019, after he'd missed two years with uh, Tommy John. In 2019, he had a 6.24 ERA and gave up 32 homers in 114 innings. Ouch. And now look what I that's <laughs> got an eight figure salary. Yeah, <laughs> overnight. Rich Hill did that. I mean, I remember Rich Hill was kind of just bouncing around, journeyman and everything. And then he finally yep. got that rain to just throw that curveball. And what it's crazy because Rich Hill pitched against us when I was in A ball. He pitched a rehab start and he th- was throwing this curveball that guys just they couldn't touch it and they'd never seen it. And every single guy was saying that's the best curveball I've ever seen. Granted, they're yeah. A ball guys and they're seeing a big league curveball. Right. But even even Rich Hill's a good example that he never got free reign to just spin as many curveballs as he wanted until he was about 36, 37 mm-hmm. years old. And he's pitched another four or five years after that. Yeah, there are some late bloomers, man. Yeah. Um uh, asked him about, you know, the first week or two weeks in camp with all these guys, and he said, It's been amazing. Because obviously this is a very young, energetic team, and you've got so much talent around you everywhere you look. The coaching staff's been amazing. He said, I love working with Cranny, Rick Granitz. He said uh, he has that old-school vibe. He's been around and seen a lot, so I really enjoy working with him. I'm real excited to to get to the season with this club. 
you know, Cranny, I think the Braves have a really good uh, mix here. Of, they got an old school guy with like Cranitz who believes in all the personal relationships and talks, you yeah. know, with the guys. And, he, and he's, I mean, it just comes across that way. But they have all the new age analytics too. The guys have access to that information, but it's not forced down their throats. It's all there. And they got guys that can, that can give it to them in a, in a way the coach, they let the coaches do that. They don't send the, they don't send the, uh, the numbers crunchers out there to give it to the pitchers and go, right. here you go. They give it to the coaches and let them do it in a coach speak, you know, or in the tone that they're used to. So it's not intimidating or it's not get that out of my face, you know. And I think they just got a really good mix of that with this old school uh, coach, coaching staff, mm-hmm. and, and and trust those guys to give the, the the players what they need, individual players, what the analytics they think will help them. And 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 uh, it's it's really worked so far for them. Well, there's so many coaches that are threatened by the analytics, mm-hmm. you know, and and it does. I mean, it's it is threatening because it it makes them less valuable, their experience less valuable. But the sweet spot is a coach that's been around and can give you those tips like like that tip I like from Leo Vinzoni, you know, talking about superpower. Pitchers yeah. get in this trouble, you, you try to do too much, and that's when you you, you know you get lit up. Um, but there's coaches that have have that side of it locked down. If they embrace the analytics and they can give you kind of both pieces of the puzzle, mm-hmm. those are the ideal coaches. You got Seitzer that played in the big leagues, you got Wash, you got a lot of good coaches that have been around and 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 they know the baseball side of it not just the computer side of it and and they're able to translate it to because they're great communicators so they're able to translate it to any pitcher and, and find a way to get it to them without you know being threatened by it like some of these coaches are that you see these battles every day on online or wherever yeah. it is everybody's just at each other's throats over analytics whether it's good or bad for baseball and if you find the coaches that have been around that can just take a step back and be like, this shit's obviously good for, I mean, look around the game at yeah. the changes that are happening. I think the Braves have that perfect sweet spot of coaches with the experience that also embrace the new age stuff. They got a couple of guys in their mid sixties and snicker and wash. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ron Washington could have said, you don't need to tell me where to position infielders. I know mm-hmm. where the infielders go, but it didn't. So he does all his drills. He does that. He, created some of them he's out there doing these drills with guys but at the same time he's in, he he understands why these analytics work as far as placement and it's worked i mean the braves mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll see a ball hit and 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 this is other teams too they're all using the analytics but the braves i don't know how many times i've seen a ball hit a line drop at the middle it's a base right, hit but somebody. dansby's right there boom double play so i mean they they he wash has embraced all that but not let it affect how he coaches his guys because with him, personal relationships are the most important thing, getting those guys to trust him. And that's why they end up being out there doing these one-on-one drills every day. Every day. Before games. And even Freddie started doing that with him last year, you know. Turns into gold gloves for guys, you know. Well, he's fun ago. to work with, too. I mean, it's, I, give me a chance to hang out with Wash anywhere, and I'll do it. You know, you get to go out on the field and and, and take some of his knowledge. I mean, he's, guys are excited to work with Wash and be around him. So we got uh, – it, it's going to be an interesting uh, a couple of weeks down here in the next – because they got some decisions to make with the bench, with the bullpen, uh, last spot in the rotation, with the backup catcher. I mean, it's not just a – it seemed like it was almost last year. Almost everything was decided at spring before we even got to spring Pretty much. training. That's not the case this year. Even though they had – you know, they went further than ever in the postseason, you would think uh, it would bring the whole team back. And it, they brought the important parts back for the most yeah. part. But – 
they got a chance to, I think they could even be better in a couple of spots where everybody thought was going to be weaknesses. You know, everybody's like, oh, the bench is weak. I don't necessarily think so. And if it is, they got enough. They've set enough aside. I mean, damn, the payroll is like $20 million less than it was a year ago, man. So they've got some money they can spend during a season if they need to. You know, so mm-hmm. there's no doubt in my mind Alex Anthopoulos won't – and he won't even wait to the trade deadline if he has to. You know, to Those are the guys that guy. are available too, you know, yep. without – breaking up your whole farm you can get a reliever you can get a, uh, a bench guy Green, still unsigned yeah <laughs> yeah which so, i mean if they're probably just waiting on his number and he's waiting to try to get it you know but they can play a stalemate because they don't need him but they I'm want him. You, they've, they've got a couple of guy positions where they are now lined up where mm-hmm. they weren't a few years ago catching obviously because they it was only a couple years ago the brace had no catching depth in the minor system right now they've got they've got the three that we just talked about you know, with uh, Contreras, Jackson, and and uh, and Shea. So yeah. that's uh, and then behind them you got a couple more, but you can't keep all those guys. So you could use one of those guys in a trade piece, but more importantly, you got outfield depth now, and we've seen that in spring training because I tell you, everybody thinks you know it's just a given that the the that major league outfielder for the long term. Is obviously two of those spots are set for the next yeah. decade with Acuna, yeah. Pache, but everybody shouldn't just assume Drew Waters. It's just a matter of time before he's in one of those spots because you know they keep waiting for him to make more contact, cut down on the swing and miss. But in the meantime, you got a couple of guys that are coming up and they're getting better and better. And the guy that's really stood out in the first week of camp is Michael Harris. This kid doesn't turn twenty for another few days. He's nineteen years old. But he was in camp last year at 18. He played in that in that inner squad scrimmage that they had, and even then he looked like he belonged. And at the first of the year, Marcakis was down at the alternate site, you know, to get ready after he opted out and came back in. The guy he came back raving about to uh, Snit was this Michael Harris kid. He's from uh, Henry County outside Atlanta, same place Jason Hayward was from, Henry County. And I tell you what, man, you watch this guy on the field, and he looks special out there. He has fast twitch muscles, and he can hit. He's got a hitting approach now that looks like 10 years beyond his years. He's got power to the opposite field. He drives the ball over the place, and he had an at-bat yesterday. He got down one, two in a count. Fouls back three straight pitches. I mean, he and he looks and he's in there looking like he's trying. You know, those guys that can do that, that can foul yeah, back pitches until, until they fighting. see one? He's yeah. doing that. And he ends up, and then he takes two, two balls. He works a count full. He ends up hitting a hard ground or grounding out, but he got back to the dugout. Everybody was patting him on the butt and shaking yep. his hand. I mean, this kid hasn't turned 20 yet, and he can go get it in the outfield. He's got a good arm. And the other one is another kid from uh, – he's not a kid really anymore. He's early 20s, but Trey Harris. None of these guys that gets totally overlooked because he wasn't a top prospect, wasn't a bonus yep. baby, low-round draft pick, played at Mizzou, played college ball, didn't get drafted early at all. And he does nothing but keep hitting everywhere he goes. And as, as Snit said, he's a moose. This guy is he's not real tall, but he's and he's got a body that's kind of a little chunk, chunky, but he's strong as a bull, man. And this guy can hit. He's hit everywhere he's been. And he's another one that uh, continues to open eyes last year in camp at, uh, and all through the alternate site and, again, the spring training this year. So that's two. But I, I really like Michael Harrison. He, he's not a top 100 prospect yet, but he should be. I think he should easily be. And I'll be shocked if he doesn't move into those midseason lists with with, with uh, people that have, are 
the more buzz is created about this guy. Because to me, there's no real weaknesses in this kid's game. Yeah, well, you know those those prospect lists they're they're based off of tools and and they're not based off of how you're playing the game yet when when you're that young. They're based off of you have a, a 80 grade arm or you got this crazy pop that everybody's trying to project. But guys that are actually learning to play the game, even if their ceiling's a little lower. Yeah. And you got if you got big leaguers raving about him, if you got a guy Marcake is coming down and saying this is the guy I, I'm really noticing. Nobody cares in the big leagues. You know, AA doesn't care, Snit doesn't care. If you could play, you're getting your shot. So I mean, I've I've heard so much about Drew Waters, but you know, to hear you say that you know, you're just as impressed with these other guys. It's just the depth is is getting insane. Well, let's put it this way. In the first five, four or five games of camp, what uh we've seen nineteen year old Michael Harris out there more than we've seen Drew Waters. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Snit you know, wants to see him play. They don't care how good you're supposed to be. They they yeah. watch you play the game exactly. and they they say this guy, you know, I wasn't a prospect coming up, but all of a sudden I was getting called over to big league camp and and you pitch and you throw in a game and you do really well and you impress the right people. They don't care what baseball America says about you. They want to see you again. Yeah, and and I'm not dismissing Drew Waters at all because no. the kid has tools out the ass, man. There's no doubt. But you got to start hitting at some point. I mean, swing yeah. and miss is a problem for an outfielder unless you're going to hit 40 bombs. You yeah. can't you can't strike out 150 to 200 times if you're not hitting for a lot of power, you know. Especially if you got another guy that is putting the ball in play. I mean, they want yeah. guys that'll put the ball in play if they can have them. And yeah, and that that prospect status and your tools that just buys you time. Yeah, you know, at some point you do you gotta you gotta get it done. And if you didn't play, you know, in East Cobb or you didn't play in the area code games and you didn't get on the radar while you were in high school. Sometimes it takes a few years for you to catch up with those guys if you're just yeah. doing it through the minor league system and all that. Status-wise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People don't want to – they don't want to give up on the status guys once they built them up. They're like give nope. them benefit of the doubt, whereas That's the other guys fault. have to keep proving it. They have to keep <laughs> yeah. proving it until they yeah. force their way on the list. Yeah. yeah. This kid is a force in his way on the list. Yeah, but those are the guys – I always respect those guys even more because you know they earned it. So does Snit. He loves yeah. those guys because that's the kind of guy he was. He never yep. made it, but he was a double-A catcher, worked his ass off, you know. He likes those guys like Trey Harris that just keep uh, defying the skeptics. They don't listen to people saying, you know, oh, you're all right, kid, but you're never going to amount to much. They just keep going out and saying, all right, watch me, you know. Yeah, that's just part of, you know, when you're coming up, stay in your own lane and just put your head down and go to work and not, not worrying what people are saying about you. So, oh, by the way, Ozzy Albies hit a fourth inning leadoff homer yesterday off uh, right-hander Dylan Tate, and he crushed it. He, and he looks as shredded. Typically, he's always—I mean, this guy is, yeah. has no fight, has no body fat. He looks great. The guy that really has stood out condition-wise is Ronald Acuna. Not that he was in bad shape before, because he wasn't. He was in good shape, and he could fly. Yeah, he comes into camp though. Sniff says he thinks he's lost a lot of weight. He looks like he's lost about 10 pounds maybe, but it's noticeable, man. I mean, he's got a, a washboard stomach now. He's wearing the pant legs rolled up to his knees. He cut the hair, you know, he doesn't have any hair hanging out of the helmet, so he looks even lighter that way. But he hits a he hits a lead off, he hits a double against a leadoff double the other day against the Red Sox. And never slowed round in first, even though it should have been a single. Most everybody else would have, it would have been a single. He never slowed. got thrown out. I saw that. And he risked, you know, he uh, he uh, he forced Martinez to make a great throw, and he rushed it, and yeah, he made a pretty bad throw. But then 
there's a single to left. He keeps going. He scores, <laughs> he scores from second, never slowed down. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I want you everybody to say I'm ready. It was like a he was like a horse that had been all all winter, you know, not running. And here you go, go get him, kid. Yeah. It was impressive. And he looks ready. I mean, Acuna, we keep saying it, but if Acuna stays healthy this year, man, I mean, he's put up great numbers without being healthy a lot of times. He played yeah. with a hurt wrist last year most of the year. He could uh, – oof. Who knows how banged up he was last year, you know, and how yeah. much he let on. Anyway, we keep we keep waiting for Acuna and saying, you know – not waiting because he's had great numbers even when – a little banged up. But if – I'm thinking about that guy's healthy all year, that wrist is fine. This could definitely be the 40-40 year that – you know, because he's going to have to do it while he's young, I think. It's going to start stop sl- running so much at some point. But he's so young. And, you know, he is the, so young. <laughs> he's so young. You know, he might you have a few 40-40 years in it. <laughs> you never know. I mean, you talk about guys and, – and I think the, the interesting thing with him coming in, maybe he did that for a reason, maybe he didn't. But look how hard he plays. An extra yeah. – 10 pounds, you know, whatever he lost. I mean, that that can extend his career down the road, but it can also just get him through the season feeling better. Um, I think every guy kind of goes through stages early in their career where they find their ideal weight. And, you know, big thing in baseball right now is bulking up and putting on all this muscle. But mm-hmm. power is not a question for him. Yeah. So if, if he can hit opposite field home runs at, you know, 190 or whatever he is versus 205, what what's the difference? But if he feels better moving around. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean that that pace power comes from those wrists, man, and those hips. It's hips. not coming from it, he doesn't need biceps that extra, and chest. No. It's all leverage. Look, it's it's a swing. You look at him, maybe he looks at a guy like Tatis and goes, "Yeah, Tatis ain't big. He's slender." Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, he has Acuna, as much power as anybody too. It, you know? Yeah, it, exactly. It's a he hits him a ton, man. He, uh, just anybody that's read though, because they get, I think they get worried when they hear that a guy lost weight in the offseason. They're like, "Oh no, he didn't need to lose weight. This is good weight, man. This is weight he did not need. He wasn't he wasn't heavy at all, but you can tell the difference. You know, yeah. you can tell the difference. And uh, he just he looks. This looks like the right weight for him. We'll see, but uh, you know, yeah. it doesn't look. He's not. He's not thin at all where you go. I don't know if he can hold up. It's not like that. Doesn't look frail. He's just more frail. No, more, not yeah. at all. He looks every bit as big, you know, in the arms and all that. His he's legs. Just, I mean, his legs are where his power is at. That lower half yep. firing before his hands. Yep. He yep. gets so much leverage. But he was flying but, around the bases the other day. Flying. He's feeling good. Yeah. You know? So my picks, my picks to click this year, a healthy Acuna. I think Ozzy's going to just have a monster year. Because if you look at Ozzy's numbers last year, he missed five weeks. When he came back, his numbers are off the charts, yeah. man. I mean, and this guy's healthy. We forget how good he was that first year when he made the All-Star team. and hit, what, 19 homers, 20 homers yeah. at the break? Yeah. People forget Ozzy because there's so many other guys on his team. There's Freddie and Acuna fighting for MVP maybe this year. Ozzy's a guy we shouldn't forget about. He could uh, He could have a big year. Just stay healthy. That's all it is with him. Yeah, and you just like like we were talking about. You never know what he was playing through, and that hurts you. You know, it, it, you, there's so many guys that that don't play unless they're 100, percent and they just right. always put up these perfect numbers, and everybody loves them. The guys that that play through a little injury and maybe they hit 260 for a month, your teammates respect that a ton, and your organization sees it. But a lot of that stuff never makes its way out into into public. But Aussie being a hundred percent, if if, he's, if you're battling a wrist injury as a hitter, man, that's that's crippling. Yeah. You know, he couldn't hit from one side of the plate or whatever it was. Um, but 
you're right. I mean, if, if he was in, in any other organization, he'd be their future superstar. He'd be on the, all their billboards, but he's just got to get in line, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. To their credit, those three guys, uh, Freddie, Acuna, and Ozzy, they Acuna played too. through injuries and yeah. they never want to come out of the game. Yeah. Ozuna back. And from day one, the personality is just, just bu- it's bubbling over. And the teammates just are so happy that he's back, that they re-signed him. Every, to a man, every guy said that was all offseason. That was the one glaring piece that we had to have back yeah. to get back where we were last year and further. We had to have Marcel. So when he signed late, everybody was just like, all right, now let's get to spring training. Because it wasn't until February. But I couldn't believe the, Bra- the Braves risked it, too. You know, I mean, maybe they were just in the conversation the whole time, but – I think they that, always felt like he'd give them a chance. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only way. That was the only reason that that uh, that uh, Alex went after, looked into trading for some other guys, signing some other guys. All just along, he knew he knew that Ozuna wasn't going to be like all of a sudden. Well, sorry, I signed with uh, Tampa Bay. You know, I think he Ozuna he knew Ozuna wanted to be in Atlanta, so he'd at least give him a chance to match any offer he got. So I do, and, and they would have too. I think. I think so. I, that's what I was trying to figure out. You know, if he got five years, one twenty-five or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if they'd have gone that high, but I think they were pretty comfortable. <laughs> what was the that, threshold? That will match any offer that he gets, and we don't have to beat any offer. We just have to come close to matching, and he'll come back. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to be back. What? I'll go to the Marlins in Tampa. The only two teams closer to his house in Miami. Yeah. So, and he loves this. He loves this team. He loves all these guys. You know, they all fit together. They're like brothers, man. Yeah. Especially the young Latin guys with him. But they all love him. Dansby loves him. Freddie loves him. They all love him. So He's a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. People that say – somebody's told me – somebody said on Twitter, I think I, uh, Acuna is uh, – or uh, that uh, Ozuna is like Freddie is personality with the Latin guys. I'm like, no. Ozuna's like that with everybody. Yeah. Everybody loves Ozuna. It's just the Latin guys have him as, you know – they can. If they just love hearing a salsa music and hearing a guy speak their language and be loud in the clubhouse. But all the guys love Ozuna, and he plays his music, and they all smile. So, yeah. If you do it right, man, you could play any music you want. If yep. you got this teammate you love, and and you see him going to his vibe, and and, and he's having a great time, like everybody will jump on that bandwagon. But yeah, it's, just, guys. it's it's great for those young guys to have a dude as established as him to look up to. Yeah, I think he's their big poppy. I think yeah. he's this team's big poppy. But there's, you know, there's only some guys that could do have these loud personalities and not annoy guys. Well, you gotta be you gotta be carrying your weight too. Yeah. You know, you can't be a bench guy coming in. I mean, some bench guys can impact the clubhouse, but Eric you wanna ski. be ski guys like that. Good. But because his personality was right. above and beyond anything you're gonna yeah. come across. Kevin Millar but, was like that. He started, yeah. but you know, he was a guy that could get away with being annoying. He didn't annoy yeah. his teammates. They loved him. Yeah. yeah. You know? But always be on, always be loud. So oh, it's a lot to handle. And if, it, if it's, you know, if it's not, if you don't play it right, you're just annoying. But especially, you know, you start, you hit 30 homers a year. It's uh, everything you do is a little bit cuter. When the Braves had Donaldson, I remember asking Flowers about him because his personality, you know, he was. It's, it's loud. He was on everybody, always. And I asked uh, Flowers, I said, so he's good to have in the clubhouse, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You, how about if there were a couple of him? Because no, you don't want two, just one. <laughs> <But he's> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of got you got to have the right mix. You got to mix in everything to, to to get through the season and have fun. But the funny thing was when they had him, the guy next to him was Charlie Culberson. They couldn't be more different. Yeah. But Charlie loved him too. Charlie kind of yeah. shake his head, but he goes because he was so different than Charlie in every way. But they would lock us beside each other. It's funny. 
Well, it's hard to have those clubhouses that you have to conform to, too, you know, that, that everybody yeah. does a certain thing. And you walk into some of these clubhouses, it's like a library. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's long season, it's July, and it's dead quiet, and everybody's just punching the clock. I mean, it's miserable. Yeah. You get these loud guys in the clubhouse, and they bounce out a guy like Charlie or, or Marcakis that's quiet, you know. And then all of a sudden, you got all these different pieces that are contributing their, their little thing to the mix. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I mean, that's how you get through it. Freddie said Ozuna, and then especially when Sandoval was on the team at the end of the year, he said it was a blast. He goes, Sandoval's in the middle of the clubhouse. He just joined a team at the end of the year. He's in the middle of the clubhouse dancing. Yeah. You know, Pablo Sandoval, he doesn't care. He's comfortable. No. Look at he's done in his career. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody loved it. So he said, yeah, it was uh, it was special. So getting uh, Ozuna was back was in so many ways, you know, on the field, obviously, but. And Freddie talked again about that, having Azuna behind him. And he explained it beautifully. Freddie had like a 30-minute interview the other day that was terrific. He was talking about his two new kids, one being born by surrogate, one being born by his wife, everything. But uh, he was talking about Ozuna, and he said the important thing, I've told you guys, the important thing wasn't necessarily that I got more pitches to hit. He goes, it's that they never brought it home, hardly ever bring in a left-hander with the right, with Ozuna hitting behind me. So yeah. I got more chances to face that was, that was the key, you know, having that protection behind him that right handed hitter like Ozuna. But you forget, I mean, you forget what an impact that, and that's why managers were so against that, that three batter minimum, because it makes yeah. their job so much harder. But yeah, you don't, you know, if you got a lefty reliever with a decent breaking ball and you want to have him battle against Freddie and feel like you might get a pop out or something like that, and then he's got to face Ozuna after that. He's staying in the pen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, this is the first of our weekly we'll do for rest of spring training, then we'll move up to two a days. But uh, we appreciate everybody on board with us. It's going to be fun, man. I like this team again. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? As long as they stay healthy. All right, like every team, except maybe the Dodgers. They got some depth. <laughs> they just go out and buy another piece. Yeah. All right, 755 is real. We're out. We'll talk to you all next week.